Hey guys, it's Sophia Amoruso, founder here at Girl Boss and host of the Girl Boss Rally, which is happening today. And today on Girl Boss Radio, we're getting real, but like real, real. So with ourselves, with each other, and with some of the remarkable thought leaders and game changers who are speaking at the Girl Boss Rally in Los Angeles. That's right, the editors of Girl Boss recorded this live so you can soak up some of the magic and inspiration of the rally at home in your PJs. This special episode was made in partnership with Secret Deodorant because while the highlight reel looks glorious for every business founder and goal chaser, it's the messy, untold stories and sweat-inducing moments that make for the very best stories and life lessons. Enjoy. Hi, I am Neha Gandhi. I'm the editor-in-chief of Girlboss, and I am here with Jamila Jamil, who is an incredible actress who is speaking at the Girlboss Rally. Jamila, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, hello. Hi. Uh, my name is Jamila. I am 32 years old, and I am an actress in The Good Place, as you said. I'm also a writer and a journalist and a the starter of a campaign, a social movement called I Way. So that's at I underscore way, which teaches women to value themselves in their entirety rather than just for the way that they look. That sounds incredible. Tell us about a time you navigated a big change that you knew was going to be positive. How did you overcome any fear, self-doubt, or other obstacles that you might have faced along the way? One of the lowest points in my life, um, and I've had a few because I've, you know, I've struggled with like anxiety and depression when I was much younger. I was hit by a car when I was 17, and I broke my back, and I couldn't walk for like over a year, and I. Uh, was a model when I got hit and then I gained 75 pounds during the car accident because I was pumped full of steroids and you know I was just eating and people were bringing me wonderful comfort food and so I had to face the fact that I was now in a wheelchair I was much heavier than I'd ever been before I could no longer do the career that I thought I might be doing and I had missed the end of school and so I couldn't finish schooling. I couldn't go on to university unless I went back to school and studied with girls who were two years younger than me. And I had no money and no clue about what I wanted to do. And I'd sort of like lost touch with all of my peers because they'd all gone on with their lives. So I was lonely, socially anxious and very, very depressed and unhealthy. And having to pick myself up out of that and fight my demons and fight all the shame that society was giving me about the way that I now looked and the fact that I hadn't finished school and I wasn't going to university. I still have never finished school. And so I've had to, I've had to really like fight my way through the world <laughs> without a, like a full education, especially when it comes to being a writer and a journalist like that. I really had to hustle to get there. But that was a real low point for me and a real challenge for me to overcome all of the many ways in which I was told I was not good enough. How did you steal yourself? Like, where did you find like that in yourself? I think that came from looking up to heroes of mine like Catelyn Moran, you know, reading the writings of like wonderful, strong women who didn't listen to society's rules. Uh, I found Lena Dunham incredibly inspiring. I looked to other women that I admired throughout history who had re- who rejected the word no. I think I. Uh, I definitely tried therapy later in life, which I think is very helpful and should never come with shame. And I spent a lot of time listening to the 
bad voice in my head. We've all got a bad monologue in our head and it says terrible things to us all day, things that we would never tolerate being said about people that we love, we say to ourselves. And I started to pay attention to that voice and then slowly but surely build up a new voice in my head that would fight that voice and stand up for me. So whenever that voice was saying, you're ugly, you're stupid, you're not funny, that voice would be like, you can't talk to her, she is a, she is a human being and she deserves respect. What did you learn from that experience that sort of shaped you? I learned that women are given invisible boundaries, like we're taught to shadow box, um, you know, where we're, we're told that there's so many things that we can't do. Can't is such a big word in the vocabulary when used about women. Shouldn't, mustn't, you know, just these negatives everywhere. And I realized that we are just drenched in shame. Or like we're just being hosed down with shame from the minute we can even understand in this world. And uh, that they were wrong. And that had I listened to them, I would never have found this amazing new life where I'm suddenly an actress. And I would never have dreamed I could be an actress in Hollywood. And I, I'm in a relationship that's the best relationship I've ever been in ever before you know even though I dared to be 30 when I met this person and I'm the happiest I've ever been and I live in a country where the weather is great and the food is amazing and I'm having so much fun I would and I had an all right life in England I had a great life but I would never have seen all these amazing things if I'd listened to all of these people they feed you people project their own fears onto us all of the time and part of that fear is for us but part of that fear is that we might actually grow to reach our potential that's incredible <laughs> we really need to take a look at that and we are here at the secret podcast studio in the girl boss rally and i'm here at the girl boss rally with amanda brugel who plays rita on the handmaid's tale Hi, I'm great. How are you? <laughs> Can you tell me just a little bit about yourself and what you do? Uh, I am a 41-year-old Canadian actor and mother of two boys. Uh, I'm currently on a television show called The Handmaid's Tale in the States, and then I do uh, three other television shows in Canada. They're comedies. Um, so it's a bit of a balance between dramatic and comedic, and that's just basically my life. <laughs> I would love to hear a story about a time when you conquered like real change and how you really thought about doubt and the sort of fears that might hold you back and how you overcame those. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, a, a supreme change in my life came when I, I decided to quit acting. I had been an actress for 10 years and loved it. It's the love of my life. It still is. And uh, I just felt that it started to break down my soul. I was living in Los Angeles and had come across a lot of women um, that were approaching their late 30s, uh, early 40s, and they were just so sad and heartbroken. And I decided to up and lift, quit the business, move home, get married and have children. So suddenly I went from living a life where I was existing just solely for myself to raising a young child in the suburbs. And it was such a an extreme about face that the, the sudden change, it was so difficult for me to overcome that I started having panic attacks and I started grappling with uh, some really significant anxiety and mental health issues. And so I was questioning decisions I had made, why I had made these decisions, if motherhood was good for me. It wasn't postpartum. It was mostly just um, suddenly as, as such an abrupt change. And 
slowly I, I read Eat, Pray, Love. And um, what I took away from that was I started writing love letters to myself. And I was so afraid, I think, of letting go of acting. And I was so afraid of changing who I was and who I thought I was going to be. I was so afraid of not becoming that woman that I, that was the reason I was having the anxiety and the panic attacks. How I overcame it was I just started writing love letters to myself, little small things in the day that were like, you changed a bunch of diapers today and you did a good job, that kind of letter. And slowly as I got into the habit of doing that, I started falling deeper and deeper in love with myself again, a new version of myself, not just the actress version of myself, but the fully completed, realized mother, female, powerful version of myself. And I slowly started inching my way back into acting and, uh, uh, one year later, um, I was fully back into the business, and two years later, I was at the Academy Awards. And I really think that I don't think that I would have gotten there without all of the pain and without the supreme change and then learning how to overcome my fear. Do you still write the love letters to yourself? I do all the time. And my husband and I actually, if we're going through a rough patch with one another, we write love letters to each other in the form of sticky notes and we put them on the bathroom. And I actually have a collage of a, a lot of the sticky notes. It's so effective because you do, you forget to, you forget to tell each other positive things. You forget to tell that to yourself most certainly. And then for some reason, the people that are closest to you, especially the, the, the closest people in your lives, you're able to tell them quickly the things that you don't like about them, the things that have hurt you and once in a while in holidays and in celebrated occasions we're forced to tell one another that we like each other valentine's day christmas hanukkah but when you consciously do it every day as a gesture first of all every day you walk away feeling so wonderful about yourself for writing the note and having received it but then you also go through life with a more beautiful intention and trying to find things that you love about the person instead of things that bother you about the person you're like looking for it constantly yes Hi, my name is Teresa. I'm the associate editor here at Girlboss, and I'm sitting here today with Arlen Hamilton of Backstage Capital. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, you sure. So I am a venture capitalist. I invest in companies that are mostly tech-enabled, and a little bit, something that's a little bit different about my story is how I started and my background. So I am a gay black woman who had no money, basically. I was homeless three years ago on food stamps four years ago. And around that time I saw, I was also seeing like a lot of companies that were being started by women, people of color and LGBT founders and people. And I thought, it's, these are some awesome companies. And so I yeah. really naturally thought that they would get a lot of investment dollars. And it turned out they were getting none. They weren't even getting in the room for like in, with meetings where I saw a lot of other people who would just have like an idea and get some funding to work on it. So I thought that was a really interesting uh, problem that, had, that probably could have a cool solution. So I set out to start my own fund. And so a lot happened in between, but today I have raised a little over $4 million to invest into 88 companies that wow. are led by exactly those people, women, wow. people of color, and LGBT. That's amazing. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Can you tell us about a time you navigated a big change that you knew was going to be positive 
and how you overcame the fear, the self-doubt, and the other obstacles you faced along the way toward that. Oh, wow. So you just described Basically, most of my journey, your journey yeah, into right? VC because, I mean... You know, I've had, I'm 37, so I've had a lot of ups and downs. It hasn't always been, you know, this this terrible homelessness. Uh, but it has been for like half of my adult life. And so there's these ups and downs of sometimes things being okay, sometimes they're not. And certainly taking on this challenge of starting a fund, which in itself is hard to do from scratch, like with no connections and no experience in it, any all those things. And then on top of that, you're saying to people who are very traditional, have very traditional ways of looking at things, I also want to invest in, in things and people and in, in products that you are not used to. And, you know, so doing all of that while also navigating my own personal uh, ups and downs, I think that was something that I went into eyes wide open, knowing that it would be tough and knowing that maybe it would be even insurmountable. But I felt that this fund, this backstage capital fund that did these things that I was talking about when it was just an idea, I felt that that had to exist in the world. I didn't feel like it needed to be something for my personal career, but that it needed to exist to change the dynamic. Because, you know, sometimes you think about, like, why, why is it important to have a venture fund or why is it important to talk about investing in companies? Those companies affect the culture and the lifestyle and the livelihoods of millions and millions and hundreds of millions of people outside of Silicon Valley and outside of California. And so it's really important that the people who are leading those companies better reflect what the country and the world looks like rather Absolutely. than being straight across the board, something else. For our listeners back home who are hearing about your story, what's one piece of advice that you would want to make sure you know, that for the women who admire you and who've heard about your story, what's the one piece of advice that you would want them to hear and then internalize? Be authentic to yourself. Be true to yourself. Don't change who you are to get a check for your company, to get a job, to get further along in your career, because you have to live with you. And I can tell you that there have been situations where I, if I had maybe played the game a different way and become something else to, that someone needed to be in order for them to be comfortable or even kind of gave away a little bit of my own morals, I could have gone much further faster, but I wouldn't have been able to live with myself. And a lot of times that's what we're faced with as women and underestimated people is that that challenge of you have so much to think about like it's not just for you a lot of times it's like for your family or you're, you're doing it for someone else and you don't so it's not these decisions are hard to make but truly the people that you are trying to do right by whether that's your children or your family members or your friends or the community at large they would want you to remain true to yourself too and that is why they're on your side today they don't need you to change for them. And there's like there's no amount of money that's worth it. And there's no hardship that's worth it. Wow, I feel like I'm like tearing up hearing that, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here with Kara Nortman, partner at Upfront Ventures. 
Hi, how are you? I'm great. So glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming by. So for our listeners back home who maybe aren't familiar with what you do and who you are, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. So I'm a partner with Upfront Ventures. We're the largest venture capital firm in Southern California. So we have a total of $2 billion that we have put into startup companies over the last 20 years. But we usually invest at the earliest stage. So we may put two, three, five million dollars into companies that are utilizing technologies to build big scalable businesses and some that you might have heard of wherever you are in the girl boss land. Companies like Ring, Goat, True Car, recently made an investment in a company called Bird, if you like riding around in scooters. And so those are some examples. Okay. So here's a question that we've been asking all of our guests today. Can you tell us about a time you navigated a big change that you knew was going to be positive um, and how you overcame the fear, the self-doubt, or any other obstacles that you may have faced along the way? Probably the biggest career change I navigated is I decided to leave my very comfortable corporate job when I was six months pregnant with my third child to go start a company. And I actually didn't know it was going to be very positive, but what I did know was that I was in my mid-30s, I was pregnant, and all I was doing was working on this company late at night, you know, weekends, all of these different moments in time, I was walking away from a salary and a maternity leave to go do it. And I think what I realized was um, that I would always regret not trying. You know, if you look at this on paper, all of the numbers didn't necessarily make sense, but I realized I'd regret not going and giving it my best. And so thought the worst that could happen was that it didn't work out. And uh, I left and I went out and raised some capital for my business when I was uh, six months pregnant. <laughs> when you were going through that decision-making process, like what, what was going through your mind that made you kind of finally take the jump? I'm sort of one of those people that have been in a lot of different kinds of jobs. And for most of those jobs, I use data and information to make decisions. I feel like I've made every major life decision very instinctually. And mm -hmm. I want to say I was super analytical. And, and when I had great people in my life, they'd say, write down your pros and cons and sleep on it and look at one way or the other. But I think for me, each time I have made one of these decisions, it just ultimately was something I couldn't get out of my mind. And I felt like I had to do. Um, and even today, I think my husband made some comment to me about the stock price of the options that, that of this company I now left 10 years ago. Yeah, And I said, but I wouldn't have been happy, right? Mm -hmm. I was ready for that, that next thing. And I think looking at each new phase is an adventure. And even if it doesn't work, recognizing you're going to be different and you're going to take something away from it that's going to make you better in whatever you do next. And just getting rid of the fear of failure in a lot of ways. I think mm -hmm. if you've fear of failure prevents us from actually succeeding to the greatest heights that we can um, and being afraid of what everybody else thinks, as opposed to really figuring out when you are happy, when you're in the flow, when you're kind of the best version of yourself. Absolutely. You're behind the scenes right now with the amazing women at the April 28th Girl Boss Rally Los Angeles. You'll hear more live insights after a word from our partner. You might not know this, but Secret was the first deodorant brand made especially for women. That means since 1956, they've been giving women the protection and confidence to go after what they want, just like our listeners are doing every day. And while a lot of progress has been made for women since the mid-50s, there's still so much work to do. 
women are still facing wage inequality, still being labeled and judged, still feeling unsafe at times, and still fighting that much harder for what we deserve. Secret believes that progress comes from persistence, from showing up every day and never feeling like you need to back down. After all, you're your own secret weapon. That's why Secret is committed to being there every day by your side and under your pits with products that won't quit. Check out Secret's latest products at a major retailer near you. Go to secret.com to learn more. Now let's get back to more powerful conversations with these amazing women. Hi, I'm Melissa. I'm an editor at Girlboss, and I'm here with Lizzie Velasquez, who's a motivational speaker, author, and activist. Hey, Lizzie, how are you doing? Good. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself just to get started. Okay, so I am a motivational speaker and author, and I dealt with a lot of bullying uh, when I was growing up and cyberbullying as I got a little bit older. And after that, decided that I needed to sort of take matters into my own hands and make life a little bit easier for myself. And luckily, in turn, I've been able to do that for hopefully a lot of other people. Absolutely. (laughs) You absolutely have. So tell us about a time you navigated a big change. Just everything that I do in general, going out and putting my story out there, whether it's through social media or going out and do public speaking. And there's so many different outlets that I've gone up to share my story and it could it could always either go one of two ways and I've always remind myself no matter what that I'm going to be the exact same person that I am on and off camera on and off a stage and going up and just being authentically vulnerable and myself and taking my own sense of humor up there has proven to be the best thing that I could possibly do because I think it takes that walls down when I'm talking to an audience and wanting to sort of break through and say, you know, we've all at the end of the day know what it's like to be bullied or know what it's like to be insecure. And so to be able to go out there and just just be myself and tell others that it's okay to be yourself as well, to see the outcome of that and to see people who at the beginning of my speeches or whatever it might be have that shyness about them and by the time I'm done to see how confident they are in themselves always feels incredible. So I've been public speaking since 2007. Wow. And my way of speaking now is honestly just to wing it. Yeah. And I don't plan ever. I love that. Ever. Planning makes me very, very nervous because I overthink it and I'll go up and then all I'm thinking of is, oh, I forgot to say that and I, I need to go back. But If I go up there and say, this is where I'm going to start, this is where I'm going to end, I'll eventually get there. And so going up and telling myself to an organization or a company that I don't really know, I'll do the same outline and it normally works. (laughs) That's advice that we can all use and that I can even use today because I'm so nervous about the panel I'm moderating later. I have been over-preparing like crazy and maybe I just need to get up there and do my thing like you're teaching me something. I have a little tip that I always tell people. Yeah, please. That one that helped me. I had a really good friend of mine who's also a speaker. She went to go speak to a group of women at Yale University and she was so nervous because she felt like she was going to be less than them. And so when she went up on stage, she automatically told them, I'm really nervous to be up here. And it took down the wall. And so now every time I do anything, I remind myself, no matter if I'm the speaker or the audience, we're all 
like really nervous to be there. Mm-hmm. So having that reminder of like, it's okay to mess up because you know, everyone's nervous. I love that. That like reminds me of that Steinbeck quote, now that you don't have to be perfect, you can be good. Yeah. What's the one piece of advice you want to make sure every woman who admires you and your work hears and internalizes? I think my one piece of advice would be the importance of learning to be comfortable with the uncomfortable and just doing it. I think we a lot of times build all of these fears or doubts against ourselves and we don't allow us we don't allow ourselves like the space or the room to try and fail and accept it and we have to be able to do those things because you're not going to be able to grow or go anywhere unless you fail and accepting that and sort of turning it around and making it to something that benefits you in any aspect is so 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 important uh, versus just saying well I can't do it I'm not going to be able to do it I tried and it didn't work out that's okay keep trying keep doing it because eventually it's all going to work I'm here with Asia Mayrock, who is a best-selling author, a poet, and an activist. Hey, Asia, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. And tell us a little bit about yourself. I know I just gave the quick rundown, but we want to hear more. Sure. So I am a best-selling author of a book called The Survival Guide to Bullying, which I wrote about my experience being bullied for eight years in my life. And I'm also a college student, um, an activist, and a spoken word artist. Amazing. So tell us about a time you navigated a big change that you knew was going to ultimately be positive and how you overcame the fear, self-doubt, and other obstacles you may have faced along the way. A big change that I faced uh, that I knew would be positive but was very terrifying was when I had just survived eight years of being bullied and I decided to take my experiences and write a book to try to help and save lives of other young kids who were being bullied and who were on the verge of feeling like there was no hope anymore and and they didn't know where their purpose was on this planet. And writing that book was a healing experience for me, but it was also terrifying because I had been bullied for so many years of my life online and I knew that when the book came out, I could face that same cyberbullying once again. And so I decided that it didn't matter because I wanted to find a way to show young people that their voice mattered, they mattered, they could make an impact on this planet. And so I just took this giant leap of faith and decided to go forward and publish the book and get my story out there. And I received but negative things and positive things. But ultimately, at the end of the day, um, it was the greatest decision I think I've made. Tell me about like some of the more powerful things that you heard from people after you did that. Immediately after my book was published by Scholastic, I would receive messages from young kids all over the world saying that my story saved their life, that my story gave them hope to continue and, and to not resort to suicide. And that was so hard to process because I was really doing this to try to leave a small impact um, on young people based on my experiences, but I had no idea that it would turn into something so big and and so impactful. So I continue to receive messages like that. And now my book is published in 17 countries. So I get them in all different languages and get to translate them. And it's just so beautiful. Yeah, Yeah, I love it. So what's the one piece of advice you want to make sure every woman who admires you in your work hears and internalizes? Oh, there's more than one piece. Can I give top three? Absolutely. Okay, top three pieces of advice recently that I've realized 
I value the most and I hope other women will as well. Number one, you'll be told no in your life more than you'll ever be told yes about things that you can do, especially because you're a woman. And whenever you're told no, just go forward and do your thing and be yourself and trust yourself because you know the answer, you know the right direction. Number two, don't ever settle, whether it's in your personal life or professional life. Like you are a queen, you are a boss and don't ever let anyone tell you you are anything less than that. And number three, bask in the glory of being a woman because there are so many unbelievable things that we have that no one else has because we're women. Amazing. Thank you so much. You've been listening to a very special edition of Girl Boss Radio presented in partnership with Secret. I hope you guys got just as much out of those inspiring insights as I did. It's a testament to the power of persistence. Because if you know anything about progress, you know reaching it means you never back down and never quit. And see, even the brightest and most accomplished women in their field didn't always have it together. So cherish your challenges and cherish your mistakes. Be there for the people who might learn from them and be grateful for the resilience they build in you. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for more amazing stories from brilliant women.